May 26, 2019. The Nats got swept by the Mets. The Mets. But Davies still has a job. Why? We talk about that and ask whether the core of this team is beyond repair. Plus, we check in with the Braves before the Nats see them for the first time. From Bethesda, Maryland, it's Jacob Rash. From Boston, Massachusetts, it's Johnny Rash. This is the Rashcast with Jake and John. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of the Rashcast with Jake and John. I'm Jake. And I'm Johnny. So this week, the Nationals somehow, against all odds, having taken leads in the eighth inning of three of four games, Managed to get swept by the Mets. Yes, that uh, was. Uh, <sighs> it was it, it was the ugliest series uh, of the year. Although definitely not the ugliest series they've ever played against the Mets. So congratulations to them for that. Yes. Uh, but Davy Martinez remains unfired. Uh, for reasons yeah. unknown. I just want to say one thing really quickly about that. You know, there's a bunch of people on, on the internet uh, who are saying, you know, what's the point in firing Davey at this point? Um, you know, what's the point of keeping him around at this point? Um, it's my rebuttal to that. Uh, you still have, you know, over 100 games left of the season. It's very, very unlikely that this team does anything. But why not change the culture? Maybe something happens. I don't know. I don't. I don't well, think. I don't think you can. For me personally, I don't know how you can look at this and say this. You know, we need to keep fine. this going. This is fine. Yeah. Uh, well, to me, it, it isn't about this season so much as it's about next season. I mean, the the learners are going to have to take a hard look at their payroll this year and ask themselves, why are we doing this? You know. Why are we sustaining $195 million payrolls to lose however many games we're going to lose? Uh, you know, winning for the remainder of the season and proving that the foundation of this franchise is not shaky uh, is crucially important. If you want the, the learners to continue to invest in the team you know, going forward and Replacing Davey Martinez and winning as many games you can from here on out is is part of that. Uh, mm-hmm. And in truth, you know, and, and getting into our first segment, uh, I don't think that the foundations of this franchise are as broken as uh, Barry Servluga intimated in his latest article. No. I agree with that. I think... You know, there was a reason why this team was projected to win 90 games this year, and everyone thought they could win the division in a very tough, di- was supposed to be a tough division. Um, it was because there were a lot of, there's a lot of talent on this team, you know. Lost, it's, it's the same, this team is constructed similarly to the way a lot of the Nats teams have been constructed in the last seven years, with a lot of stars and a lot of scrubs, um, where you really have to put a lot on your star players. And unfortunately, this year, the Scrubs have been playing so ungodly terribly that it doesn't really, you know, your stars can't really carry you as much. And, you know, it's nice now that Juan Soto's finally hitting. I mean, Rendon's hit it well this year. And Howie Kendrick's done really well. 
but outside of that, everyone, you know, else has been kind of pedestrian at best. Um, well, you know, I mean the the stars of the stars on this team, the the Nats' top three starting pitchers have been. Good. Exactly as expected. Exactly. I mean, Patrick Corbin threw a complete game shutout yesterday. Looked fantastic. Yeah, Corbin's uh, looked. You know, Corbin's looked what we expected, if not a little bit better. Um, Scherzer has been good. He just has not gotten any run support and has gotten a little bit unlucky. And then Strasburg has been very good as well. Yep, Strasburg has a, a WHIP under one. He's got you know he's striking out nearly a career high. Uh, he's on pace. You know, both Scherzer and Strasburg. Are on pace for over 275 strikeouts in the season. Yeah. Uh, you know, of your stars, then uh, Rendon has been better than expected. Soto's been. I mean, now really, he's about where he, we expect him to be 902 OPS. Um, uh, so he's definitely been. In, in this last two weeks, he's hitting almost 500. So. Yeah. Uh, and you know, really the only star who's seriously underperformed is Turner, and that's because of injury. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, the, the problem on this team has been literally every other player. Yep. Uh, which, I mean, it's a combination of failures of, of general management, but also, you know, general management and ownership for sort of poor investment in the scrubs. But, uh, you know, at a certain point, if every single player is underperforming, you got to look at the manager. Yeah. Uh, but but you know, getting back to the the argument over whether or not the core of this team is good. I mean, Rendon, Soto, Turner, Corbin, Strasburg, and Scherzer. That's the core, and that core has been great. Uh, it's it's everyone else who's been the problem. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, I, I agree. It, it's and that's why when it comes to you know blowing up this team, like Silverja has suggested, and many other have started to suggest at the deadline, um, I don't think I would do that personally. Um, I'm 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 against you know. There are guys who you can sell. I mean, guys on one year deals like Kendrick and Adams, and those are obvious ones. Though um, I mean, those are the only guys who actually would team would want. Then there's Rendon, who's on a one-year deal, or who's finishing out his contract, who I'm more hesitant to trade, um, only because I don't think you get a good deal, a good enough deal for him to make it worth your while. Yeah, the other argument is you don't get any hit thing for him if he leaves in free agency, but I think that you know you're not going to rebuild your farm system from an Anthony Rendon trade. I don't think there's much worth in trading Rendon. Uh, to me, Rendon is a guy who I don't know if he'd want to be traded just because he doesn't like baseball and doesn't necessarily want to move. Um, right. So I don't know if he'll take that in, in, in a bad taste and that might hurt you know, your chances with him this offseason. Um, and then you know, Mark DeRosa this week was talking about, you know, he, always, he does a segment called D-Row Demolition where he goes through and blows up a team and it's intentionally over the top. But he was talking about trading Scherzer. He was talking about trading Strasburg. I mean, first of all, I don't know. And he, he had talked about these big packages we received for them. I think the one with Strasburg it was Strasburg and Kurt Suzuki to the Yankees. No, no, the, the, to the Padres. Uh, the Strasburg one was to the Padres. The Scherzer one was to the Yankees. We were, and we would get um, 
Clint Frazier, Miguel Andujar, uh, Johnny Lasagna, uh, and Did you uh, just call him Johnny Lasagna. Yeah, that's what the people call him on the internet. No, that's what that's why I call him Johnny. Me and my friend Jonathan. Well, I don't even know how to pronounce his last name. I call him Lasagna. Loisaga. Loisaga. But yeah, Johnny Lasagna. <laughs> that's, what, that's what that's what Yankees. That's what the Yankees fans call him. Okay. So, yeah. I mean, my friend, I've never my roommate. Seen that, but I like it. My roommate's a Yankee fan. That's what we call him with each other. So he's Johnny Lasagna. Um, and then uh, Greg Bird. And yeah, that'd be a nice. I mean, that's an interesting haul. I don't know for sure, sir. Um, but there's no chance in hell the Yankees would do a trade like that, taking on a massive contract like Scherzer's. I mean, you saw the trade that the Marlins, I mean, the Marlins probably got caught, should have gotten more for Stanton. But, you know, when you're doing a, a big salary dump like that, you're not going to get as much back for it. So you look, you look at, you know, the return in the Verlander deal. Yeah. It's sort of a, I mean, both it's a very similar. Scherzer and Ver, both Scherzer and Verlander. Scherzer was, I mean, Scherzer has been better than Verlander had been over the mm-hmm. previous ish. No, and I mean that both, year Verlander both was Scherzer really good. and Verlander would be coming off of a second place finish in the Cy Young voting. Uh huh. With uh, two and a half years left on their contract. With two and a half years left on their contract, uh, you know, it's it's somewhat similar, and it's not as though the the Tigers really got much of anything out of Verlander. Yeah. Uh, I can't even remember the package, but uh, I mean, I think if any of those players were doing phenomenally well, we would know about it. If I remember correctly, as I Google it and look it up right now. I'm also Googling uh, it. Um, They got Daz Cameron, Franklin Perez, and Jake Rogers, none of whom have made the major leagues. We're two years out from that trade. Yeah. So, uh, you know, maybe you can get more for Scherzer because Scherzer's had a better last couple of years, but it's not, you know, than, than Verlander had as of 2017. I mean, Verlander's yeah. been phenomenal as an Astro. But uh, I just, to me, you know, taking out the question of whether or not the Nats should blow it up, whether or not should trade the one surefire Hall of Famer that they have and sort of throw into doubt whether or not he'll wear a Nationals uniform in the Hall of Fame, and that's cap. Uh, it's just not worth it. No. It, it's a joy to watch the guy pitch every fifth day. Uh, and, you know, I don't want to see him pitch anywhere else. Yeah. Um, and also, you know, not only that, but then what do you do next year? What's your plan next year? I mean, so... Part of the D-Road demolition, I was watching the segment, um, was then he talked about what the Nats could do next year with all that freed money. And he talked about us signing, signing Garrett Cole. He talked about us t- signing um, – there's someone else, another free agent, oh, Dallas Keuchel, to fill out a rotation where it would be Corbin, Cole, Keuchel, Sanchez, Fetty. Um, Why? That's not that's, that's not exactly, better it's not than better. the rotation. It's just money in different places. Right. So you're, you're not going to get a ton of value for the guys you'd be trading away. Uh, yeah. Just, but, but beyond that, you know, the other guys that on this team that have value, uh, Soto, Turner, Robles, are, are guys that are unmovable. I mean, not unmovable. You, you don't could want move to. them quite easily, but there's no point in moving them. I mm-hmm. mean, Soto's got five years of team control. 
trading him would essentially be a white flag saying, we don't think we're going to contend in the next five years, uh, yeah. which I can't imagine the Nats doing. No. You know, most the, the, the honest to God truth is that, you know, this team, most of the sort of core players of this team are not guys that you would, you know, that it would make any sense to trade. Uh, mm-hmm. So there really isn't a way that you can do a demolition of this team that makes any sense, assuming your plan is to contend at some point in the future and not just to save money. Yeah. The, the, the thing that people are a lot talking about right now is the Yankees. Could the Nats do what the Yankees did um, when they retooled and they got Glaber Torres for Aroldis Chapman, they got Clint Frazier for Andrew Miller. And, you know, the piece that would do that for us would be Sean Doolittle. You know, he's been good except for this week. So, uh, I mean, he's one of the – normally outside this week, one of the best closers in baseball. Um, but I – I mean, you look at how the trade market has developed in recent years, you know, from the 2016 trade deadline where the Yankees got those pieces. And I don't think there's a real way that the Nationals could do a retool that people are suggesting. Um, I think that I think Doolittle could get. I think that Doolittle could get you something nice, you know, maybe one interesting piece, but nothing like a Glaber Torres, nothing like a you know Clint Frazier. Um, well, I mean, Torres and Frazier weren't Torres and Frazier. Before, yeah, they were. They I mean, were top prospects. Frazier was a first round draft pick. I know, and Torres was a. I mean, they were top two prospects for the Cubs. They were big prospects. I think you could get. You think you could get a, maybe a, a top thirty prospect for for Doolittle. For Doolittle. I don't know. I mean, he's been one of the better closers in the game since he's been a Nat. And and to me, with Doolittle especially, the name of the game is to move fast rather than slow, uh, because. Uh, Every day that Sean Doolittle pitches for the Nats is another day that, A, he's not pitching for another team, uh, and, B, another day that he might get hurt. The guy is injury-prone. Uh, he's, I mean, I, I love Sean Doolittle, but uh, he has, you know, his trade value goes down every day that he pitches for the Nats. Uh, I, I get the trepidation. I know that this team is not great and not contending, but you know you, you look at their bullpen, and if you take Sean Doolittle out of it, it's unwatchable. But uh, I mean, I, I just I think that the the best option for the Nats would be to move quickly on Doolittle, get as much as you can for him, uh, and then I mean I, I don't know what you do next year. I don't know what relief arms are going to be on the market. Uh, but I mean, I just I just think that the best option is to to deal him as soon as possible. And mm-hmm. then I would also uh, try and negotiate something with Rendon over the next couple of months. And if you can't get anything done, I'd take the chance and just deal him at the deadline. Yeah. Uh, get as much as you can for him, and then hope that you can bring him back to the negotiating table. Uh, I mean, and yeah, my main trepidation with doing the, any of this is that free agency is dying. Um, I mean, as we can tell, 
and a lot of people are signing extensions, so there's not going to be a lot of movement throughout teams. And so this is the whole thing about rebuilding right now, is it's going to be a lot harder to rebuild because you know all these teams, they're not going to be the free agents out there that people want that can immediately speed up your rebuilding process. That's um, true. And it's so, going to be harder and harder to go the, the 2003 to 2006 Tigers route mm-hmm. where you build around homegrown talent and free agents. Uh, I mean, you look at a team like the Twins who managed to do that somehow, but they did it through, you know, not the top-tier free agents. They signed, like, middling guys who have all played beyond expectations this year. Um, and then they've gotten a lot of talent from their homegrown guys, too. But, you know, that's, you know, one case. And then you look at the White Sox, who have been in rebuilding, you know, uh, uh, been stuck in rebuilding for for five years, you know, forever, basically, it seems like. Um you know, since they traded Chris, oh, this is 2016, actually, yeah. uh, when they traded Chris Sale. And they were like, when they had a good core and they decided this core isn't good enough, let's sell it. And, you know, they haven't been anywhere good since. And then, no, add- although, although uh, it really does look like Lucas Giolito is going to be. Yeah, he looks really good now. Uh, I mean, and, and the, the truth about it is that. Fastball velocity has spiked up and come back. I mean, he's averaging 94 miles an hour on his fastball, which is uh, not, very much not what he was averaging when he was a Nat in 2016. No. no. Uh, and I, I so, still I still don't fault Rizzo for trading Giolito. I thought he was, you know, nothing. I It, it needed the certain, you know, hand to fix him. And I guess the White Sox had that finally after years. Um, so good for Giolito. I have no yeah. qualms with him. Um, I have no quarrel with you. And I now just like Adam Eaton a lot more. So yeah, what a putz. Yeah, he kind of. I really don't like him. He's he's been on this team for so many years, and yet he doesn't have like any significant moment as a player, which is he's interesting. got a lot of significant injuries. Yeah, those were fun. Yeah. So I don't know. He's just—he's such a tryhard. Yeah, he's a tryhard to be a tryhard. Yeah, he's like one of those guys who made a point of, you know, saying to his high school team how much he loved David Eckstein yeah. instead of all those stupid, talented players. Yeah, Ugh, it just bugs the living hell out of me. Uh huh. So and he's also playing like crap. So mm-hmm. he's not playing but, like crap. He's just not playing well. Defense is awful. I don't know yeah. how you lose your all. He just lost his. It looks like he lost his feel for the outfield completely. Yeah, I mean, he had a very serious leg injury. Some people don't come back from that. Yeah, but yeah, his defense has been terrible in the outfield. He's not hitting enough to compensate for that. I mean, the guy was supposed to be a defense first player. Without his defense, he's just not a valuable player. I mean, no. it get, it gets to the point where you wonder whether or not the Nats are going to pick up his option, even though they're reasonably it's cheap, affordable. It's option. a cheap option. I mean, where else are you going to get outfield talent? I don't know. Uh, but you've got him and Gomes both with reasonably affordable options that are very questionable to be picked up. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, we will see how the rest of the season goes with Gomes. I've, it's just dumbfounding how bad his defense is, too. Gomes. Yep. He had a great defensive reputation coming in. He's made 
I mean, he just seems to get crossed up all the time. He's made some very questionable pitch selection errors. Yeah. Uh, and he's, you know, got seven passed balls, which is bad. I mean, he's just the league. It's more than he's ever had in his career. And and to circle back around and bring this conversation full circle, you know, to that, to, you know, him, to Eaton, to a bunch of these guys. I mean, as we said in the beginning, you have all these people who are vastly underperforming this year. And, you know, you can blame Rizzo for that all you want, you know, putting the team together. But as you said, on paper, this bullpen was supposed to be mediocre. And it's performed. I think we talked about this before, actually. So, yeah. yeah. Um, but it's performed off the charts bad. It's on pace to be the second worst bullpen in the history of baseball. And so, you know, you look at that, you look at, you know, the defense being terrible in every single game. I mean, you look at Friday night's game and how, you know, we won, but that's because the Marlins are also a terrible team. And we make four errors in every game. It's the, li- you know, four has- errors, a couple more plays that weren't made that should have been, some base running errors. Even yesterday, when the Nats played probably their best game of the year, uh, they still had Adam Eaton get just thrown out on the base path like a nincompoop at second base when he just couldn't make a decision about whether to go to third or not. Uh, and there's there's at least two to three plays like that in every single game that, that are just dumbfounding. And like, I... Th- and you have professional to, baseball players should not be making these errors. And so you have to point back at the person who coaches these guys and tells them how to play the or like sets a tone. You know, the tone for the season was we're going to do the little things right, and it's been the exact opposite. And I don't know how you can keep Davey on any longer. You know, the players still say that they love him; they'd run through a wall with it for him. But the results speak for themselves. If you loved him so much, play goddamn better. Yeah, I, I mean. You can love a manager. You can think. I mean, you can think of him as a really nice guy. But if you're not playing well for him, if he's not getting through to you, you know, that way, the, the job of the manager is not to be loved. The job of the manager is to get good baseball out of his players. And I mean, Davey Martinez may be loved, but he's, you know, the the results speak for themselves. He seems like a great bench coach. Yeah, maybe. But I don't I, know, people just, like him. That's about all you need as a bench coach is someone who the players like. Yeah, and he, you know, he had a lot of success as a bench coach. Uh-huh. But there's a reason that, you know, he was a bench coach for so long, and no one thought to hire him as a manager. Yep. And uh, you'll probably tell that reason now. Yeah. But, uh, <sighs> so that's enough of the Nats rant. Um, but yeah, let's. That was a little disoriented, but or disorganized. Yeah. Excuse me. I mean, so is this team, so. Yeah, exactly. We don't have to put any thought in this. The Nats clearly aren't. Nope. Um, so now to next to our, onto our you know, next and also probably final segment for today. Um, we're going to talk about a team that the Nats haven't seen yet this year. Um, our division rival, the Braves, who I am still, I don't get the schedule at all. We've played the Mets, we've played the Phillies 13 times, and we haven't seen the Braves yet until in its end of May. Um but we're going to give you guys a little Met Braves update, um, you know, just because you I haven't watched many of their games. I'm sure you haven't uh, if you've been watching the Nats for some reason. But the Braves have been playing well this year. Um, 
you know, like many expected. Uh, you know, they've been doing it a lot through their, their offense, too. Um, although Acuna hasn't been as good as, you know, I thought he'd be. I had him as my MVP candidate. He, the, the, the bulk of the offense is really being carried by Freddie Freeman this year. Um, 315, 406 on base, uh, 982 OPS, uh, 13 homers. He's really been, you know, the player who he's, you know, slightly above average or slightly better than he has been in his career, but still the best player on that offense. Yep. Uh, uh, I think the biggest sort of standout for them in terms of expected versus actual production has been Dansby Swanson, who seems to have found a power stroke, although you know, juice it's, ball. it's questionable. Right, yeah, it's juice ball. Uh, he's got 10 homers. He's got uh, a 110 OPS or 108 OPS plus, excuse me. Uh, so he's been quite good. Uh, Austin Riley, who they just called up, has been phenomenal over the last 11 games. Uh, he's, you know, hitting 341. He's already got five homers in those 11 games, so he might be a problem going forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they've also got some really excellent performances out of their young pitchers. I know that people have been talking up Max Freed as a possible future ace based on how he's been pitching. Uh, I mean, he's speaking of Lucas Giolito. Yes, that teammates. is true. Harvard Westlake High School. Yeah, Max Freed's been phenomenal. Uh, Mike Soroka has got a 107 ERA. Obviously unsustainable, but he's been really, really good at limiting homers, limiting hits. Uh, I mean, the bullpen had been an issue early in the season, leading a lot of commentators to you know, cry about how the Braves hadn't signed Craig Kimball yet. They could still do that because no one signed Craig Kimball. But the, uh, the bullpen stabilized a lot. Luke Jackson has been very good, sort of sliding into that closer role after A.J. Minter lost it. They traded Orodis Vizcaino away. Yeah, Anthony uh, Swarzak. Yeah, for Anthony Swarzak, but it was more about Vizcaino's injury. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, this team doesn't have a ton of weak spots. No. Uh, and one of the biggest weak spots that we highlighted during our season preview when I finished them to pick fourth or pick them to finish fourth, as one would say if one were speaking English, uh, I thought that they'd have a problem with the front end of the rotation. But Freed and Soroka stepped up. Uh, I mean, Fultonevich has taken a huge step back, but it frankly hasn't mattered because of the way that you know Freed and Soroka have pitched. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this team is not, you know, they don't have a ton of flaws, as opposed to, say, the Phillies, who are, Still playing very well, uh, but who have some problems with the back end of the rotation, who have some problems in the bullpen. Uh, the Braves are a very... I mean, the, the truth know. about the Braves, they could use really use both Keuchel and Kimbrell. I mean, yeah, you yes. said the rotation is good and their bullpen is good. It's, it's, they're, they're good, and the rotation is good, but the bullpen is fine, I would say. Um, I wouldn't like tout it as a skill as their bullpen. Um, but you know, having, I would feel a lot more comfortable about this Braves team if they had another, you know, headline pitch, if they had a headline pitcher. I mean, you don't know entirely what you're going to get for the rest of the season from Freed. 
don't know entirely what you're going to get from Sorica. I mean, they've been good so far, but, you know, that could all change in a minute. Um, and then the, besides that, I mean, Tehran's been good this year. He's a 367 ERA, which is good. You know, he's always either on or he's off uh, with him. And then Gaussman's been, you know, serviceable, ba- a good back end of the rotation, 433 ERA pitcher. Um, but if you lose, if Soroko or Freed, it kind of loses it a little bit, which could very well happen. Um, well, they don't need. I mean, Soroka doesn't need to be a one hundred and seven no. ERA pitcher. But, but if Freed he looks like like an ace in the making, yeah. If Soroka is is good as that number two three guy, you know, yeah, they could use Keiko. But you know, assuming that Faltinevich returns to form at least a little bit, they don't really need him. Uh, and they've got such good pitching depth. I mean, they they've do. still got Tuki Toussaint and Sean Newcomb Both behind those pen. guys. Yeah. Right. So, I don't know. I mean, it's a good team. It's a good team, with, but I think they could benefit from a little bit more talent on the pitching. I think their offense is great. I like their offense. They can obviously certainly benefit from Craig Campbell, but every single team in the major leagues can say that. Yes. With the possible exception of the Yankees, mm-hmm. which is what makes it so absurd that he isn't signed yet. Yep. Uh, I mean, it, the, the, there's such fetishism of a draft pick that teams are really waiting until June to get it done. Just the weirdest thing. Yep. It's a it's a second round pick. It's not that great, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean the Braves are are well constructed. The Phillies are pretty well constructed as well. Although you know the back end of their bullpen has been surprisingly bad. Uh, yeah. The Mets are the Mets, still doing crazy stuff. Uh, yeah, if it weren't for us, they'd be the most dysfunctional team in the NL East. So right. we, we saved Mickey Calloway's job, which is a blessing for us, I guess. No, no, it's not. Yeah. I, I could give a shit what happens to Mickey Calloway. Yeah. And uh, then they won't sign, uh, they won't hire Dusty, which is... Yes, that is, that is the most important thing. Uh-huh. But, yeah, I mean, you look at this division, the Nats are 10 games back. Uh, I mean, just to sort of round this whole thing out, you look at the division, the Nats are 10 games back, and you don't see a ton of opportunity for them to, to get back into it. No. Although they have, you know, they've got all those in-division games. If they start winning them, maybe something can happen. But I'm very pessimistic. Yeah. Well, before we go, I want to give a little – do something I haven't we haven't done before, but we're gonna give a plug to something I saw this week that I really loved. Um, it's Are lonely. Opening up the plug bag. Opening up the plug bag. Uh, uh-huh. It's a uh, Lonely Island's new, uh, I think, vi- visual poem, uh, which I don't really know what a visual poem is, but uh, the unauthorized Bash Brothers experience. It's a video about the 1988 Oakland A's and Jose Canseco and Mark McGuire. And if you're a Lonely Island fan, or if you're just a baseball fan, which I assume you are if you're listening to this, it's quite hilarious. Um, I'm I'm a huge Lonely Island fan, uh, and also a big baseball fan, so I feel like this was made exclusively for me, which I think is fair. Um, But it's, you know, only 30 minutes on Netflix. I highly recommend you check it out. Very much loved it. Um, Yeah, if if you have... Two 30-minute blocks of time to spend this weekend, this Memorial Day weekend. Spend the first 30-minute block of time listening to this podcast. And then spend the second 30-minute block of time watching the Unauthorized Bash Brothers Experience. Or watch them both at the same time. 
they don't sync up at any point, but you know, if you like being if confused. If you play this podcast backwards, it will sync up perfectly with Dark Side of the Moon. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's true. All right. Well, that's all the time you have for us. Um, we will see you next week. Uh, yep. Yeah. More depressing Nats, Nats baseball to follow. Yes. So we'll be there to cover it and talk about it and cry about it. Of course. All right. See you soon.